This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. How's the ankle? Not too shabby, man. We're all right. Um, day, well, day two and a half, we'll call it. You know, got a nice workout in this morning. Um, did a little bike, did a little jog, did a little roll machine. So um, no problems whatsoever. Now, did stub the ankle on the side of the couch. Uh, it kind of like slid across the couch a little bit this morning. Didn't feel good. Had a couple choice words, but we responded. We adapted, and now we're here, Brent. It was like another Blake Bortles interception. You, you don't realize <laughs> exactly. You don't realize how much you can like stub your toes or like just you drag your your feet on stuff until you actually have a, a little bit of an injury. Absolutely. I was yeah. going to ask you uh, how was the shower today, and then I was like, well, that might sound a little too personal, so I figured I'd go with the how was the ankle. No, and then I'm glad you asked how the shower was, even though you didn't really ask me. But I'm going to talk about it anyways. I mean, I'll be honest. So last night after MMA, and I didn't really do a lot. I just did some shadow boxing yesterday, and. Um, you know, stakes have never been higher in terms of taking a shower. I had a lot going <laughs> against me. Um, I lost round one. I was probably down 10-8 on, on the scorecards. And I understood that, listen, put the music aside. No music. No bopping in the shower. This is strictly business. And I focused. Um, I was very aware of my, of my surroundings. And needless to say, the shower last night went off without a hitch. So uh, yesterday we had uh, some of the most um, unusual injuries in sports, yes. including Austin, not really in sports, but mm-hmm. slicing his foot, getting into the shower a couple of days ago, Yeah, uh, seven stitches worth. And then, like, last night, my back starts hurting a little bit. <laughs> and you know where it started? What do you got? Because I had the allergies going yesterday, right? Yeah. Well, Boy, did you. In here, in, in public... One of the things you don't want to really be doing is sneezing. Correct. You're sneezing your your, uh, arm or something like that, right? Hold hold it in, Brent. Or you hold it in. Yeah. Well, I can remember when I tried to hold one in over there, and I go, oh, man, that hurt. So in my back. So you threw out your back from trying to sneeze. I didn't really throw it out. I'm just saying I I was like, let's not go over the top here. (laughs) But I could feel a little like, oh. Yeah. And I was was doing some stuff today, and I could still feel it. But I'm all right. I mean, I'm tough enough. I played through it. But uh, it was close. (laughs) It was on the verge of, oh, my gosh. I got hurt earlier. I I tendonitis in the ankle playing golf during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. And now sneezing got me. I'm just saying, if you get hurt sneezing, I mean, Take the shower out of it. You, it is by far the most impressive thing you could do. I've also heard though, if you actually hold the sneeze in, obviously it's bad for you. Number one, but number two, I guess you, you actually like displace a rib if you hold the sneeze. I bet in. you can. So it be hurts. careful with that, man. It hurts. Yeah. I got but a heck of an ab workout in yesterday. But I get it. When you're in public, that's the last thing you want to do. I mean, people are gonna, yeah. You're being judged. Exactly. If you exactly. sneeze. Exactly. Yeah. It's twice I've gone to the grocery store and I've had like kind of the. A little bit of allergies, and I was like, sure. I, I was like, oh man, I hope I don't sneeze in here. I, I just hope I don't sneeze. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? You man, know? You, you better get out of there as fast as possible. Because right? all, all of a sudden, like the alarms start going off, yeah. and like all of a sudden, it seemed like you know some guys were in these like these full suits coming grab you out of nowhere. It could happen. It, it could happen. It's mm-hmm. not good uh, at all. Hey, the NBA players having second thoughts a little bit. I'm sorry. Did I call this last week? Did I call this last week? I thought we thought the NBA was on same page as Adam Silver. 
They were basically like, yeah, man, go ahead. Whatever you... You thought it. I, I, I did. I thought I, I read that. What, what did I say? I said that there's no way did you're going to have... Did lie to us on yeah, that? I said there's no way. And we can go back to the footage. We want to go back to the footage of the audio here. But I said there's no way that these NBA athletes are going to be expected to be quarantined in the hotels for two-something straight months. And your argument was, well, they're trying to win a championship. They'll adapt. No, 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 no. When the outside world is starting to go back to normal here... You're not going to be cooped up in a hotel room at the you know Disney Wide World of Sports for two plus months. It's just not going to happen. It's not realistic, and that's not how uh, professional athletes um, operate. So I'm not surprised whatsoever. Uh, we'll see where it goes from there. I think there's a little bit of pushback. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of bit of pushback, mm-hmm. uh, but there are some. I, I think I saw Woj last night on Scott Van Pelt, and he said that. Uh, yeah, there could be a clause coming in the next couple of days where if guys don't want to play, then they don't have to play. Now, they won't get paid, mm-hmm. but they don't have to do it. And so you could see teams that don't do it. It's going to be fascinating to watch again. Now, we think that could happen with Major League Baseball because of the shortened season. These guys are going into a playoffs trying to win a championship. Can you imagine LeBron just being like, yeah, I don't really want to play. I, I, I'm not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Nah. He's got maybe one more chance to win a, a, a title. No, I can see that, but I can definitely see them flexing on the rules a little bit as well and saying, listen, we're not going to be quarantined here in our hotels. We have a right to sleep in our own beds if we want to or something like that if we have some time off. So I just see... I seeing some of the I see some of the things in the like in, in the stipulations being redacted and, and I see like kind of like some new stipulations being brought up. Yeah, That's be, what I predict. Be interesting. Golf is back today. Oh, Everybody yeah. who says I couldn't live without sports celebrate today. Mm. I mean, I we've had MMA survive. for the past month, but it's all good though. No I know, worries. Yeah, but some folks don't count MMA. It's all good. Some uh, folks don't call golf, so we're uh, all good. Well, and quite frankly, I love golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I am not like, oh my gosh, I can finally live again. It's just like it was. It was the. It's the most tired. I, I think to me, out of these last couple months, that is the most tired like feeling. Yeah. And sentiment, like, oh my gosh, why don't we know about sports? I, I just, I, I live sports. I, my whole life has been sports. And mm-hmm. guess what? I found out that you can reverse sear a steak, and it's been unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been reverse searing steaks again? Yeah. Good stuff, isn't it? Dude, twice oh, this legit. week. It's unbelievable. Hey, post a picture, man. Join the club. Let's go. I, I know, ah, I gotta, humble. I, he's, he's humble, though. A little bit. Yeah. But the reverse sear, mm-hmm. like that I had never even tried or heard of or whatever. Yep. Until about a month and a half ago. 2020. I have now done it five time. times. No, no, more than that. Like six or seven times. Sure. Yeah. And every time it's been unbelievable. Yep. Now, the kitchen does get a little messy during yeah. the reverse because we put a little, like, uh, what's that, the olive oil, virgin olive oil mm-hmm. on the pan, and mm. it just kind of splatters everywhere. Yep. So, but it, it's still, it's unbelievable. I hear you. The virgin like, olive oil is a bad last choice. Night, like, it changed my life, I think. The, the, the virgin olive oil, though, huh? I think that's what it's called. Butter. No, I mean, that's what you can yeah. use, but you yeah. Know, butter. Hey, butter. But they have the spray stuff, too, but. Grass, grass fed butter. Is that what you should do? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, Brent. You're doing fine just the way you are. I'm just saying, though. Wanna, you want to take it up a little notch? Try some grass-fed butter. All right, I'm well, get on that. Well, yeah. So then, do you? So you reverse here. So then, do you put it? You have like an oven, or do you put it? Um, like, do you broil it, or do you put it on the grill? No. So th- it's a 275 okay. in the oven. Sure. For 45 minutes. Yep. Let it sit for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and then you know a minute and a half aside or yeah. whatever on the on the searing part. That's it. 
cast iron pot or yeah. cast iron. My, my man. Okay. Well, we didn't start that way. We went on bought one. Okay. Oh, you, I mean, you have to. Yeah. You have to. Yep. And and it's a it's a life changer. Hey, I mean, my life has changed Game in the last changer. couple months. And, and obviously, keep that cast iron. Uh, you know that pot thing. Keep out of the dishwasher. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know about it. the dishwasher okay, well, part, okay? I'm just, hey, I'm the cook. I'm trying to look. I'm not the dishwasher. <laughs> wow, wow, king of the castle, huh? <laughs> what what the a flex. Hey, does the chef at the restaurant wash the dishes, too? Listen, oh, no, when I cook, it. I got to clean everything as well. Oh, yeah, man. Nah, Every, I, everyone gets their turn, right? Yeah. yeah. But here's the other thing. So I've been, like, at Costco, you buy the, uh, it's basically been sirloin for the most part. Okay. It's like that cap, uh, steak cap, uh, I don't know what it's called. There's a part of the uh, steak. It's okay. called cap. Gotcha. Right. Yep. Uh, not Bold City. Um, <laughs> so but, you're getting that. Uh, so anyway, we buy the sirloin, you know, and it's like you eh, uh, can go anywhere from, I don't know, not eight to ten dollars a pound, I guess, with sirloin. Sure. It's big. It's right yeah. uh, at Costco. And well, we tried a little filet. Treating yourselves a little well, which bit. Which was in the same price range for whatever reason at Costco. Maybe like two bucks more a pound. On sale though, probably. It must have been. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, treat yourselves. And so we did it. Yeah. But both are spectacular is it's what I'm trying stuff, to man. tell you. It's good on, stuff, man. On sale meat always makes me a little nervous. Ah, though. screw it. Nothing no, makes no, me nervous. No, no, if I'm, I see I'm that on, the, the on No, sale no, no, meat. because I've worked at grocery stores, so I know why it's on sale. I got to I gotta inspect it a little bit. Dude, you, you get like a tomahawk ribeye for like 25 bucks a pound. If it's like two bucks off, I'm like, whoa, I can't afford not to <laughs> right, have this. That's it. I no, mean, I'm saving like, uh, money. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're literally losing money right now. I mean, they're losing like two but, bucks. But yeah. if it's a thing of like chicken and it's like, you know, it, the little like yellow or orange for sale or extra off on it, I'm like, all right. Yeah, what, maybe. Why has this been sitting chicken, in the back long or what's up? You're right. I mean, you chicken right. for sure, but you can dry aged steaks for like 90 days. Like it. It's all right. Here, yeah, here's right. A, I don't get nervous about that. Steph's like a big, you know, like you buy stuff and it's the sell-by date. Sure. And she's like, oh, well, it's it's uh, the 17th and it was the 16th that it was done. I was like, Steph, it's the sell-by date. Like, it doesn't say, like, it's yeah. going to be poison you. <laughs> that just means <laughs> they can't actually sell it after that day because yeah. of the I mean, now listen. Boost that immune system a little bit. You'll be all right. Away, like 2012 salad dressing, probably. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's, it's all about the eye test and all about the smell test. Nothing, if it smells fine, you're good to go. If it looks fine, you're good to go. Nothing makes you feel less organized than cleaning out your fridge and realizing you have, like, ketchup or something from, like, five <laughs> oh, wow. years ago still is, in there. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. It, it does happen. Uh, one last note on that, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I, we got an air fryer, $99. Yeah. Yep. We went out and bought the $25 pan for the, the, the searing of the steak, yep, yep. right? Cast iron, got to do it. I don't. I think I might throw away my grill. Oh, Brent, don't say that, though. Like, I don't, don't use my that, grill. Brent. Like, I've used my grill twice, and I've cooked more from home in the last three months than in my entire lifetime. I say I, we, <laughs> yeah. and I don't use the air fryer. Yeah. Ooh, baby. The air fryer is good. Though. Have you tried the reverse sear on the grill? I haven't. See? See now? Just Should I? Eh, see, just try it one time. Is it propane or charcoal? It's charcoal. Oh, man, Brent. You know, I, I'm just saying, maybe that special occasion, wedding anniversary, birthday or something like try that. It. Try it on the grill, man. Especially charcoal grill. We got to kind of, you know, set aside some time of the day to get that thing started, get those coals hot. 
See what you have that charcoal grill one time. How did we get on searing steaks? You brought that up, back. Sir. Hey, you try to fuck all of everybody, but you have yeah, reverse sear. I did. This is your I'm idea. just telling you, try it. Okay. I'll I mean, hey, I was influenced and I tried it. Preaching the choir. And here I am. Hey, maybe if you want to talk to, you know, Austin Lane of 17 years old, then tell him that. Yeah. I've been on the train, okay? I know what's up. It's unbelievable. I, I have been missing out. You have? Uh, I should be 10 pounds heavier. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, golf is back uh, here in town in Texas as well, so we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, the Camille Vijega story is um, uh, is an emotional one. He's playing here in town, and he got off to a great start today, so good for him. Uh, we'll share that story. Uh, also, what a night uh, for Jacksonville baseball yesterday. Uh, Austin Martin gets drafted fifth overall. He slipped a little bit. A lot of people thought he'd go number two at the very least. And once he slipped past that, it wasn't really a surprise to go to number five. I hate to say slip to number five. You don't really slip to number five. But a lot of people did project either one or two. Mostly people said two uh, that he could go. And uh, I was really hoping he would go to the Marlins at number three because then he could play his double-A ball right here in Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. which would be kind of cool, but probably better for him to get away, but good for us if that had happened. Uh, But I thought there would be a a couple of pitchers in between. It looked like the Marlins and whoever picked fourth was going to go after pitcher regardless. So uh, Toronto got got themselves a really good player and uh, maybe a little bit of a steal at number five. and, and awesome for Austin Martin, man. The second highest pick ever from the Jacksonville area, if you consider high school baseball, like Chipper Jones was number one. Mm-hmm. And he is second all time now. Think about that last night. And, and you also think about how not crazy big of a story it is. You know, yeah. if that had happened with a local football player, we talked about this yesterday, how big of a story that would be. Of course. Colby Holter, uh, a couple of other players have their have their ears up today, second uh, through the fifth round of the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of read some of the experts' opinions about the draft a little bit, and they all agreed. I mean, the, the Toronto Blue Jays got an absolute steal uh, of getting Austin Martin. So, um, you know, g- great for them. Obviously, I went on Twitter a little bit, and the Blue Jays, uh, all their fans on Twitter seem ecstatic. <laughs> he kind of, and once again, we don't want to say fell to the Blue Jays, but, you know, the Blue Jays acquired him. I was surprised, though, and I guess I was kind of naive to this fact in terms of pitchers. Right, because a couple pitchers went like, you know, top five, or I think it was two of them went before Austin Martin did. And obviously, when you take a pitcher, it's more of, you know, you're hoping that he turns out to be a starter. So sometimes you bring him in for a relief um, spot, a relief duty. But I guess I always just assumed whether they're in high school or even, you know, that you develop them in college, that they come kind of game ready. And by game ready, I mean like they have four or five pitches already. Like the, the guys that got yeah, drafted yeah. top five, I mean, yeah, they, they have a great fastball and uh, a changeup and an okay slider. Both guys had that. I guess I just assume like everyone that gets taken in the top five is like a Justin Verlander where you have like ten different pitches you can throw and strike people out. That's that, a really good call. That's that's not the case at all. I haven't watched a lot of the Major League Baseball draft in the past. We we did we were watching you know probably for the first hour I yeah. would say yesterday and you're right about that. I think there was the one kid the kid from Minnesota had like a plus fastball which is like ninety eight ninety nine. He could, he's Correct. a little guy too, not really big exactly. And uh, but he also has a very good slider. Slider, but yeah. he didn't really have the third pitch is what they said. They said like an okay change. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a little surprised by that, too, but I think it was just such a good slider. The one-two punch of the fastball and slider was so good. I thought what else was interesting, there was a catcher that was taken, like, maybe late, like, in the 30s Mm -hmm. pick. They said that guy could play – he's a high school kid. 
he could play. He's the best catcher in the draft, which means best out of all the college kids. Mm-hmm. And that he could play right now in the big leagues as a catcher. Now, could he hit and all that stuff? Sure. Like they said, he is a lock to make the big leagues as a backup catcher at the very least. That's how good he is as a catcher. You don't hear that in the Major League Baseball draft very often. Yeah. So it was kind of inter- interesting to watch the draft and, and learn a little bit more about some of these other guys I had never even heard of. So, but I guess my question to you is that, I mean, is it common for pitchers to develop like two or more pitches when they get to the big leagues, right? Because I, mean, I remember like when Strasburg came in, like Strasburg was like, oh, this, this guy is ready to go. He's got the two seams, getting, you know, he's got the four. I mean, he's got he's got everything working for him, right? It seemed like he was MLB ready. And I understand you have to take some time to develop guys, but I just feel like for some reason I thought when MLB players got drafted at the pitching spot, they came in ready to throw four different types of pitches, and that's not the case. So do they develop them, Brent, or is it kind of just you have your two to three pitches and you just hope that you can be a starter from it? I think they develop them. Yeah. I, I do. I, I think you have to – you have some – you got to be able to have some pop with your fastball. Yeah. And then some people will say, like, uh, there's a kid that plays for Creekside. He's going to JU. He has, like, a plus. Like, a somebody said, I, I don't even know how they rate this stuff. They said he's got already a double-A level curveball because of the spin rate on it. Sure. Uh, Connor Holtz is his name. Yeah. And I... I like, I don't know really what that means, but mm-hmm. obviously that's something people are keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. And what pe- it's much like the quarterback position, right? Like if you've got a, a great arm, mm-hmm. people will say, well, I'll teach that guy to do this or that. I, I can work with those tools. Sure. I think the pitchers are the same way in that sense. Where it's like, if this kid's got a live arm, mm-hmm. and even if he can't harness it, I can teach him to harness it gotcha. and throw him more strikes and get control. But if he's got a live arm and he's got a slider or a curveball, well, we'll work on the other things. Mm. But that's a great starting point. Yeah. You know, because keep in mind, so many of these guys at the very earliest, for most of them, I know there are, there are the outliers. I think the college kids, you'll see them in the big leagues maybe three years down the road. The high school kids, you might not see them for five or six years in the big leagues. I mean, that's not uncommon mm-hmm. to, to really see. So there's a lot of development that will now go on uh, from the time they get picked to the time they make the major leagues. But sure. I do liken it to the quarterback spot. No different than maybe even taking a wide receiver, right? I'm going to work. Yeah. You're going to get LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. He's already got this great package of tools. But now Keenan McCardell is going to work on how to run routes, you mm-hmm. know, how to be savvy at this level running routes and what you can do off the line of scrimmage, you know. Yeah. So I guess no different in that regard it, you never stop learning you're not a finished product no I, I get you i guess i just thought that you know like these guys are already working on their craft even in high school and in college right because you know once you get to the major leagues you have to have probably a variety of pitches unless you're like a josh Hader type who just has the heat coming from a left-handed um style so i, I guess i was just a little surprised of like if you throw 95 to 98 miles per hour in high school or in college you're probably going to get drafted in the first round regardless of what else you bring to the table yeah pretty good stuff uh, mm-hmm. last night with austin martin uh, we'll talk about tonight's draft part and see what happens there. Uh, We're take a break uh, here on Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. When we come back, uh, we begin talking a little football. Why not? Uh, that's the way we usually start the show. We will talk a little more about the NBA, though. I'm interested in that. There was a conversation uh, CBS Sports had. They actually had Tebow, Dan Mullen, and Urban Meyer on the same like Zoom call, if you will. And we're talking about, like, best quarterbacks. But it's an interesting conversation, right? Tebow gets in the conversation of great great college players. A guy this week was in the news because some people think he's the greatest college player they ever saw, Reggie Bush. Get into that a little bit later on uh, in the show as well. By the way, coming up in just a short bit, Maurice Jones-Drew joins us on everything happening in the world. What does he see from the Jaguars from afar? He's going to join us uh, in about 10 minutes here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690.
been having some sessions with the guys. You know, I feel like um, we're getting some really good work in. We've had a, a great spring on the Zoom calls and and got a lot of a lot of progress, a lot of great things out of those meetings. And it's really been good this week to, to come back and get a bunch of the guys together and, and get some work on the field. Uh, like you mentioned, we had a little fun with paintball today, changed it up a little bit. You know, I think we had, uh, I don't know how many guys, a ton of guys out there. We played a bunch of different games and had some fun. So uh, it was good to, to see a lot of faces that I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, guys on defense that came out and um, just have some fun together. Oh, paintball. That is Ryan Tannehill, Titans quarterback. Thought he was banned from the show. <laughs> are, are, do you believe in the Tennessee Titans yet, Brent, or not? No. No. Not, not even from the not AFC buying. Championship. Okay. Selling. Okay. I got you. Selling it. All right. Um, hey, paintball, uh, one of those. I, I didn't know they'd be doing these kind of team activities, but I guess that's a, you can do that. You go fishing or yeah. you go play golf, Maybe right? bowling, right? Yeah, you can do some yeah. of that stuff. What was the best one you ever did? Dude, paintballing. Hands it down. Because, because I got to shoot Joe Cullen in the face. <laughs> yeah. So. Did you really get him in the face? I got him in the face. Yeah. So, uh, so in paintball, I mean, it, it was literally like offense versus defense, right? Or it was like, um, I mean, it was like 30 on 30. And, Brent, you know how I get down. Like, I used to paintball as a kid, right? Yeah. I even went to paintball tournaments in, in Michigan. So, um, and when it comes to paintball, I have no fear. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, you're probably a paintball just, psycho. Oh, yeah, I just run down the field and just <laughs> hopefully I don't get hit. But, yeah, I actually <laughs> snuck behind Joe Cullen and, like, a bunch of the guys sitting behind a bunker and, and popped them all, man. It was cool. So, um, to, to see Joe Cullen take the walk of shame with some paint in his face was uh, one of the greatest moments. Moments my NFL career, let's just say. Uh, what other uh, team building exercise stick out to you? We've done bowling. I remember doing bowling. Um, went to a pool one time uh, with the Chiefs. Dude, don't like don't, a pool? Yeah, just like a swim day. You know, okay. like as as opposed to you know we're we're gonna you know go up practice. We had a swim day, so that was cool. And keep in mind too, the thing that we used to always do is we always knew there's gonna be one team activity day, whether it's during OTAs or mini camp. Usually during OTAs, right? So the first thing we would do every single day before we go out to practice is we check the Gatorades, right? We we check the Gatorade buckets on the field. If they're empty or if it's just water, that means you had a team building day. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, every single practice, I would check to make sure, all right, well, there's Gator in here. Probably got practice today. <laughs> you didn't like surprises anymore. Did, didn't like surprises, <laughs> man. No, especially in the Jacksonville heat. No surprises for me. Thanks. Hey, uh, this guy probably knows about some team building up moments. Uh, we brought, welcome in Maurice Jones, Drew at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's happening, man? Yeah, I'm doing well, Brent. How are you? We're doing fantastic. Uh, paintball was Austin's favorite team building moment. You got one? <laughs> Uh, I, I want to say, I think early in my career, uh, one time Coach Del Rio took us like to the movies or something. I, I don't remember. I mean, it's, it's so many, that was so long ago. Uh, it's, uh, you've done so, we've done so many different things. But I do think it's important though for a team to, for players to kind of have that, that day off where they can relax and, and hang out with each other. But I want to say the movies, I forget what movie it was too, but it was like, I want to say it was like 2006 we did that. All right, that makes sense. Uh, I think that's a popular one sometimes. Mm -hmm. Movies, bowling, uh, we've seen it as well. Maurice Jones, Drew, former Jags running back, one of the greats all time in Jaguars history, joining us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I was thinking of this, and uh, I want to ask you about a bunch of different things, and we appreciate you taking the time. But how's the family, man? I was thinking of Deuce the other day. What's he up to? How old is he? Is he a star? Is he already better than you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Deuce is, uh, he just turned 12 yesterday, which is crazy. Uh, to think that I have a 12-year-old son. Happy um, birthday. <laughs> he is an exceptional athlete, a really good student. Um, he's way better than I was as a kid. So 
that's it, I, I hate to say it, but uh, yeah, he has a better vision, better understanding about football than I did because I just played it. Um, and he loves the game, so it, it's exciting to see watch him go through his trials and, and his issues and him sorting them out. And you know, he's at that point where he's starting to hit puberty a little bit, so we were dealing with that as well. It's, it's just an exciting time right now in the household. Yeah, does he look like he's going to be your build? Or can you tell yet? I think he's. I, I think he's going to be taller than me. To okay. Be honest with you. Uh, is he just a football be, guy? I think he'll be like five ten. Okay. Is he just a football guy? Oh no 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 no. He he's uh he plays rugby. That's his. That was his second sport. I think he's gonna. He told me he wants to. You know, I kind of try to let my my kids pick and choose what they want to do. We have one rule: whatever you start, you have to finish. Um. So he's been playing rugby the last three or four years. Really good at that. Really likes that different type of game. Um, but I think he said he's going to stop doing rugby though and go into track, All which right. is something that I did around his age as well. So it's going to be exciting to kind of see what he can do on the track. It's a different different competition out there, different cats, different speed. Uh, so it's going to be exciting to see him compete in that realm. But, uh, you know, football is, is, his, is his first love like it was mine, and that, that's always exciting. Mo, are you living in California or, like, New Zealand right now? I didn't know <laughs> rugby was that big a thing with, like, the youth. Is, is that kind of big in California or is that kind of nationwide? Because I'm missing out. Oh, it's nationwide, man. It's huge. Wow. Um, they uh, they play tournaments. You have teams come from all over the country. They, they, they'll travel and they'll go to Vegas to play big tournaments. Um, they they do a lot. I mean, it's, 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 it's exciting. It's an exciting game. Not as expensive as football, which I think you still have the contacts where a lot of people can afford it in certain areas, but um, it's huge. Uh, you know, here, right here in the Bay Area, the University of Cal has won, I want to say, five of the six last national championships in rugby in college. St. Mary's uh, University is right right behind them. They're right here in the Bay Area as well. So you have a big rugby um, uh, following here, which is it's nice. And, and the best part about it is they teach the proper technique. And how they tackle in rugby is very similar to what the league is going to tackle-wise. And so it's exciting to see, you know, him get those constant reps of how to hit with the proper technique, you know, that get your head out of it, use your shoulders, drive your feet. Um, and, you know, it's, it's exciting. And like I said, like, I didn't know much about it. I always just tell them, like, you know, back in the, the, the you know, when I grew up, it was just like we just throw one person the ball, everyone tried to tackle them, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what rugby looks like to me, but there's a little bit more scheme, uh, scheme to it. Uh, and they'll try to teach me it, but they have fun running. And, and you have to be – Rugby is like the mix of soccer and football, so it keeps them in great shape, and, 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 they, and they enjoy it. That's awesome, cool. man. Uh, Maurice Jones drew with us, former Jags running back, uh, living out west. Hopefully everybody's uh, doing well during the pandemic. I wanted to uh, touch base with you and, and have you on, and I want your reaction to what you've seen the last week in Jacksonville. I'm sure you've been watching. I know you pay attention to the Jaguars. We know what's happening uh, across the country, uh, Black Lives Matter movement, and uh, Jaguars have been, at least from our vantage point, because we're right here, front and center here in town, with Shad Khan writing an op-ed uh, Friday the march from team headquarters to the steps of JSO and Chris Conley, amongst others, uh, delivered uh, passionate, passionate messages. Tuesday, Leonard Fournette held a march uh, attended by probably about a thousand folks um, from City Hall and, and a short walk. And even uh, in the last couple of days, Shad Khan now has had a Zoom call with players of the Jacksonville Jaguars to say what's next. What's your view of what the, this football franchise has done over the last week? Well, I think it's been amazing. You know, um, first of all, I have to applaud Shad Khan to, to speak out as one of the only owners in the NFL 
or people who run your franchise in the NFL to speak out against this, right? Uh, teams have put out statements, which, you know, everyone's going to have a statement. But to, to go out and, and call it what it is, I think is the, is, it, it's, it shows that he, uh, he understands. And I think that's the most important part, that you understand there is a problem in, in our country. It's a big problem. Um, and so uh, that's huge. I, I applaud the players for going out and doing that because so many times, you know, Brent, when I was there, uh, we would try to stand up and say stuff, and what, what would we hear? You know, just play football. Just, just, just focus on football. And, and it's bigger than that. And so, um, you know, I, I applaud those, those, those players and that organization. Uh, obviously, Shad Khan for what he did. But, you know, you have to keep going. I think Chris Conley's uh, message was important. This isn't a moment in time. This doesn't need to be a moment. It just needs to be a movement. And, and with, with movement, you have to keep going. It's not enough, you know, um, and, and I'm not going to dive into, like, my views on it because I think that is, you know, people probably don't want to hear that. But uh, I, I feel like there's been so much that's went on in Jacksonville from the guy who shot into that car of those young boys, right, mm-hmm. um, at a gas station that I went to um, off of Bay, Meadow, Bay Meadows that a lot of my players and teammates went to and coaches and people that played for the organization and people in general went to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he got um, <clears throat> convicted of uh, attempted murder, but not the murder of the guy that he killed, right? That's a problem to me. And that's, that is part of the, the, the systematic uh, racism that we're talking about. You killed someone in the car, regardless of what it was, you should have been charged for that murder. Let alone it was a, it was a young black kid that you killed. And so I remember reading about that and hearing about that and listening to what his lawyer said after which – Again, it's, you know, these things sit with you because when you're raising young African-American men or black men uh, like I am and like Austin, well, I don't know, Austin, do you have boys yet? Yes, you have one, yep. Yes, yeah, there you go. You're, you're, you're in the midst of it as well. Yes, sir. And I know you, I remember I spoke with you about your story and you yep. being from Wisconsin and, and the things you had to deal with as well. Yeah. Um, it's hard to have those conversations every day when I have to wake up and explain to my children why is someone that looks like them or looks like me is getting treated that way? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet this is supposed to be the, you know, the land of the free, right, and the home of the brave. Well, it's not very brave for people not to see that being wrong and not standing up and say that's wrong. And it's not, obviously, obviously that's not free when someone's handcuffed and you have your knee on the back on his neck for over eight minutes. And so to see these players speak out, especially in a time when, you know, social media and, it, you know, you can get backlash. You can lose endorsement deals like we've seen before with other guys. Um, you can be blackballed like we saw with Colin Kaepernick. It, it takes a lot to do that. And to see those guys stand up and speak, it, it speaks volumes of where we're going. Uh, we're not where we need to be. We have a long way to go. Um, but, I, I, again, I, I truly, you know, again, applaud those guys. And then the people who march with them, because it's not just black people marching. Brent, I hope you got out there and had your poster. Yeah, we were out there on Friday, man. Uh, That's uh, what I'm so talking I, about, Brent. I, well, I, I will say this: uh, I don't want to uh, mislead. I was covering the event, yeah. and it was a That's powerful. Were out there. It was a powerful that, that, Friday morning. It was. I, I told folks, uh, well, and I'm not just saying this. I told Austin this. I said it Friday, uh, just to reiterate. It, it will be one of the most indelible uh, moments and, and images that I'll carry with me um, in 20 years of, of the business. So, you know, it is a powerful movement. The, the messages, the words, and, I'll, and you'll, you'll get this, Maurice. Uh, Chris Conley not only sharing his message, but I've said this multiple times since Friday. The image of Chris Conley 
with Ernest Wolford, yeah. who used to play for the yeah. Jags and is now an officer for the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, mm. is 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 right now for me in my mind the image that I will take away from the last couple of weeks. Well, and you're absolutely right, Brent. Because <laughs> oh, go ahead, Mo. Sorry. No, oh, I was going to say before you real quick, and I, I yeah. want people to understand <clears throat> the the real issue we have here, and 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 it, and it, for some reason the issue has gone away. People, you know, we hear about the couple bad apples. And, and Austin, you and you, we've been on teams together, mm-hmm. and we've played together. If I if I see you doing something wrong, and I don't say that that's wrong, and tell you that that's wrong, I become a bad apple because I'm allowing that behavior to keep going. Correct. That is part of the problem. And so I am very happy to see Ernest Wolford, who was in the locker room that I was in. And I remember when Ernest went to JSO. I remember it was a big deal to us that he went there because it was like, okay, finally we have a guy that has been on both sides, right? And he can go and help. He can be an advocate for us. And it was, and, and I've watched and I saw, and, and it, it was very, like you said, it was a strong, strong moment there to have a former Jags player who now a uh, Jacksonville sheriff standing amongst the players because he saw what we saw. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell me if you watch those videos of any of the things that have happened over the last couple of weeks, let alone the last years, and decades of what's been going on, that that is okay. And so, again, I, I'm, I'm not. I, don't, I have to slow down because I do get excited about this because this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, but I'm very excited that the players decided to do this, and Leonard decided to do that, and and and, and they're raising awareness. And Brent, to be honest, just because you were there covering doesn't mean that your voice isn't what is needed. That that is what is needed. Mm-hmm. Let's remember the reason that we're all up in arms is because someone was videotaping. What happened? So as the media, we have a voice, and we have uh, an obligation to hold people accountable and then educate people on what's going on as well. And that's why I'm happy that you were there. You should never apologize for just because you didn't hold a sign. You were there doing a job that is just as important as, as Chris Conley, who was speaking, or just as important as Ernest Wilford, who was there showing his support being an officer. Your job is just as important. Very well said, Mo. And it was funny, too, because I, I've been to a few of these protests now, and, and I don't go and cover them. I don't even go as a, a former Jaguars player. I just go as a black man who's trying to have his voice heard in the community and try to you know help out his brothers and sisters. But there was always a part of me through these protests where what would I do if I saw Ernest, right? Because, Mo, and I think you've been to some of the protests before, too. Like Sometimes you know the, the, the language of the chants, I mean, it's not police positive. Right. And obviously, Ernest Wilford and me, we've shared a locker room together. So we have that camaraderie. We have that brotherhood. Well, at the last one I was at, I finally got to see Ernest. And and I'll I'll be honest with you, I was kind of um, I was kind of questioning how I would be received by him, because once again, we have a crowd that's, you know, chanting at the police and everything. And I'm not chanting that, but I'm, I'm 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 in it. You know, I'm part of it as well. But Ernest came up to me, man, gave me the biggest hug you could ever imagine, said, hey. Thank you for coming out here and doing your part, you know, and like that was just that was a really powerful moment for me. And obviously, I'm, I'm proud as heck of that dude for what he's doing now, man. A great member of the community. But um, it was it was just it was it was amazing to see him out there in his uniform and, you know, and also being understanding of what's going on, too, and supporting people like me who go out and protest. So that was great. Mo, you, you actually you know, you, you talked about the owners a little bit. And obviously, Roger Goodell came out, kind of said his piece. And, you know, for the first time, I really feel like the shield now is rallying behind the play. I have my own thoughts about the NFL and how they treat their players, and I've been very candid about that. But I think for the first time, they're starting to rally a little bit. 
But where do the owners fall into this? Where does the accountability of the owners fall into the situation? Yes, Shad Khan has come out and said something. Guess what? Shad Khan doesn't look like any other NFL owner in the entire league. Do the owners, should the owners say something to try to unify the NFL, I guess? Uh, well, that, I mean, <clears throat> that, 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 that's, that's always a tough question. And, and I, I have to be careful of how I say this because I don't want, you know, I believe in what I believe in. And I want people to understand that. I'm a 35-year-old black man who was, who's, who's been a victim of different situations with the police, right, different things. Um, and I, I've had my history in Jacksonville with some of the things that have happened, and I've owned up to that. I don't know how they feel because they've never. I don't think they've ever been in the position that I've ever been in, and so I can't tell them that hey, you have to do this or hey, you have to do that. That is on what they want to do. That's their business, right? The NFL is a, a billion dollar business, a multi billion dollar business. That is that has a lot of players that have been in the same situations like myself in Austin. Mm-hmm. I think that when the players got together and they made that video, and then the NFL posted it on social media, that became the turning point of when Roger Goodell had to speak out. Because at this point, the the first message, the statement that they wrote, it wasn't <clears> – I mean, it said something, but it didn't say anything, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but once Patrick Mahomes got out there and, and some of these big-time players, you're seeing Deshaun Watson uh, march with the people in Houston. You're seeing Dak Prescott donate a million dollars. And you're seeing these players – with with the power that they that they they that they have right that the following and the influence that they have go out there and start speaking and then they make a video all of a sudden it becomes it becomes a serious issue mm. and I also think that what Drew Brees said when he came out in that Yahoo Finance deal made it a big issue because now I'm thinking well does all the star quarterbacks that look like Drew Brees think like that? <laughs> Right, because that's what I mean. That's the the natural assumption, and so um, I, I think the league as a whole they started to find themselves kind of in quicksand. Things were just unraveling quickly for them, and they had to come out. And I, and I again applaud Roger Cadell for going out and saying something. I applaud the the GM for the Colts, Chris Ballard, who said, you know, <clears throat> I, I wasn't, I never saw this. I'm a, I, I've, I've been, um, I'm awake. I, now I realize these type of things. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Now you're awake. Everyone mm-hmm. understands there's a problem. What are you going to do to help us fix it? Mm-hmm. Are we going to change the history books in school that don't talk about slavery? Right? Or th- at least don't tell the real truth of slavery. Are we going to talk about the, the things that, that happened in segregation and all the terrorist attacks that happened to black people in the South? Are we going to start to educate people on those so that our children's children understand that that was wrong? And so... It's like everyone, I, I statement is awesome. That's great. Like speak out on it if you want to. That we're past that now. We need to start taking action. And we need to start moving forward. And we need to start figuring out how can we stop this from happening. Everyone's made a statement at this point, or said their piece to it. What are you going to do to move forward to help this? And I remember, I remember specifically coming to Jacksonville, uh, Brent, and I don't know if you know this, uh, Austin. You probably don't. And I remember talking to. Uh, the PR department and our, and the, the Jags foundation. And I'm trying to figure out what I can do to help because there was a school and, and I, I don't remember the school's name and I is neither here nor there, but they had chapters of books missing. 
and this was an inner-city Jacksonville school, how can these kids, regardless of what they look like, how can they get a proper education to get an, an opportunity to be successful in life if you don't even know if Chapter 3 of the book is missing of a math book <laughs> or uh, of, uh, you know, whatever science book? How, how can we help you be better? And so I remember going to the Jags saying, I want to buy this, this school all new books and computers and everything I can because how can, I, how can these kids in the city that I'm playing football in making a lot of money how can they have the opportunity to do that? You can't even get a scholarship if you can't pass the SAT. You can't go to college if you don't have the right GPA. And so those things were very important to me. And I remember teaming up with the Jags, and we went out and we, we did some things in the community to help that because that is important. And so the same is what we're dealing with now. Education is important. Understanding the truth, not as what was being told to you, but what's actually documented in, in books and libraries about the things that have gone on. Yeah, we have a couple movies about it, and, you know, it's, 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 it's like, oh, my God, but that was just a movie. Like, those people live like that. That bombing in Selma, Alabama was real. Someone lost their daughter because of that. Those people were beaten walking across that bridge. Like, this, is, this isn't what happened uh, May 25th isn't the first time this has happened. And, and and when I say this, I hope people don't take it. It's not going to be the last time hmm. until we as a, as, as a nation, as people, decide to educate ourselves on what's going on and then decide to put our foot down and say, no, no more. Yeah, I think and so those are those are the things that we're dealing with. Absolutely. Maurice Jones drew uh, passionate and, and knowledgeable and uh, uh, sharing some thoughts on this subject. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 right now. Brent Martin, Austin Lane as well. And I, I think what we found out in the last couple of weeks, and I don't know if we found out, but it's being brought to light, is that I think uh, several chapters of our history books have been missing for a long, long time. Uh, Maurice Jones drew former great running back here in Jacksonville. I, I want to ask you this, man. Uh, you, you're one of the greats. Uh, here for this football team, for this football franchise, you were beloved. I mean, take away the one, you know, the you know what your holdout uh, where it got a little sticky with some fans. Uh, people loved you. People loved you all across the country. They they loved you for your fantasy football stats. Uh, they loved you for uh, the rolling ball of butcher knives. They they, they they liked Maurice Jones Drew. I think I think you felt that. Uh, but as a black athlete, a black man here in Jacksonville for this organization, even though you were beloved, did you feel? Some of this anyway, and 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 couldn't really say much uh, because maybe of your star status, or not enough support. Uh, can you take us through any of that, or or, or was not? Yeah, I, I was mean, that I, not as I, real I, for I you? I would say, I no, no, it's, it's always been real. I mean, and it, it had nothing to do with Jacksonville. It was just my experience as a as a black man in America. Um, the people there treated me, uh, I mean, unbelievable. We we had a. <laughs> Actually, one of my good friends from Jacksonville is, is, a, is a police officer. His name was Willie. And, and Willie flew on the planes with us, and we hung out, and we talked, and we we had dinners. Skip Richardson, our security guy, another one of my good friends. Like, but that wasn't that wasn't the issue. That was never the issue with the experience. Like the experiences that I had were like I would, you know, again, like the Bay Meadows gas station issue. That's an. It may not. People may not think it affects people. But that affected me because guess what? I'm raising two young black boys who who like that type of music, and I guarantee you, when they're 16, they're going to be playing that music loud as they want to, and 
it, it was almost okay for that guy. He felt it was okay for him to do what he did and go back and, and do those things. That that affects me. Um, That's a Trayvon Martin case. You know, there's times case. that I've been yeah. to restaurants. Say it again? That's a Trayvon Martin case you're referring to, yeah. No, no, not the Trayvon Martin case. It was the, the one uh, the one where the guy shot in the gas station. It was literally in Jacksonville. And they uh, – I forget his name. He killed it. He, it was four kids in a car. He shot in the – they were in the gas station playing music. He told them to turn their music down. Said a couple racial slurs. Oh, Jordan in his Davis. car and grabbed his gun. Jordan Davis. Yes. Yes, Jordan Davis. Yes. My bad. My Jordan. bad. Yes, that's a Jordan, Jordan Davis. Davis. Right. So, um, th- that affects me because one, I play. You know, I I play music loud. That could have been me. Mm-hmm. Two, I'm raising two young black men. That could have been me. I've been. I remember earlier in my career, there were some times in Jacksonville where you know I would take uh, my wife who who's white. We'd go to a, a restaurant. They sit us in the back of restaurants. Uh, and the restaurant would be wide open. But, you know, again, that was <clears throat> it, it, it sucks to say that, but that was a norm for me, if that makes sense. Like that we knew that was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And so yet you still try to go out and, and, and live your life. No understanding that those things are gonna happen to you. You're gonna be, you know, mistreated in some way, shape or form. I've I've been pulled over by police officers <clears throat> in Jacksonville, ha- have had haven't had any issue with them, not one. Um, yet I was still nervous when I got pulled over by a police officer just because it's happened to me before in other cities where, you know, I end up being slammed on the hood of my car or getting arrested for no reason or, you know, being interrogated out in public, right? That th- Those things are embarrassing and they, they leave an impact and they scar you. And so even though nothing necessarily, like, happened in Jacksonville doesn't mean that I was I was a, I wasn't frightened and afraid. And when those things did happen like the restaurant thing, I would go back and tell the Jags about it. And the Jags would, you know, they would look into it and and, and you know there's nothing they can say. There's nothing they can do. They just you just got to know where you're going. And that sucks to be honest. You if 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 you can't go to a restaurant and eat without being mistreated like that's a pretty sucky life. Like you have to sit at home all day. And I, I know we all were upset about the pandemic. No one wanted to be at home during the pandemic. But sometimes that's what that's what that's what it was for us. And so it's just one of those things where you know that was that was a norm in my life for a time. And you know, and there still is. There's still times when I, you know, to be quite frank, I was just at a, at a bar in uh, L.A. and we got sat in the back of the bar. It was me and a bunch of my friends and. The table next to us was a younger uh, younger group of kids. Um, they were white. We were black. They got their server, which was our server, went to them four times, came to us once. Uh, we ordered food, and they ordered food 20 minutes after us and got their food 20 minutes before us, and we got our food, you know, we got our food, which was cold. I'm, and I'm not saying it could have been a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Could have I been, don't know. Yeah, but it gets you thinking it about it. It could have been a coincidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but to be quite frank with you, it wasn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't. And so those are the things that you become used to because that's that's what that's what your life is like all the time. And and, and Brent, to be quite honest with you, it's crazy. Like, dude, I got I have a I made a lot of money playing football, and I have a name. And so if they're going to treat me like that, imagine what they're going to treat just someone who's just black that yeah. didn't play football that doesn't have money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I grew up that way. So it's this was like. And so, like, that's why I said I applaud Fournette. I applaud Shad Khan. I applaud the Jaguars in general. 
their whole organizations, Tad Dickman, everyone, uh, Marcus Pollard, for going out there and organizing because you see you got a glimpse in the life of what it's like. You got a you know that was eight minutes of what it was like to be uh, for George Floyd of what what it could be for a lot of what it has been and what it could be for a lot of other black people. This does, and, you know, it got people upset. Yeah, it does feel different. Uh, it feels uh, we've been having these conversations for a couple of weeks. I hope they don't stop. Uh, I wish we could uh, spend more yeah. time with you, man, too. I don't want to keep you through the break, but uh, we are going to, on the other side, I'm going to mention your Facebook post uh, when you were the, in that Oakland uniform. Yeah. Give us like 20 seconds on it, uh, your, oh. your celebration uh, when you ran for a touchdown in an Oakland uniform in, in your final year. Yeah, well, listen, you know, again, I was in Oakland. Um, I came back home. My boys, uh, my oldest one is a, he's he's big into politics. So he's always been, which is weird, but uh, he he's been and he saw it on TV and he wanted to have this conversation. I couldn't have that conversation with a seven year old kid about why this guy got shot and he had his hands up. No matter how whatever he did, it doesn't matter what you did. That wasn't that man's job to shoot him, and so I I couldn't find a way to have this conversation with him. Uh, and so I decided that night after not sleeping for a while to to just celebrate, you know, I, I was, you know, celebrations always been one of the things I love to do, but that year that was a celebration I was going to do uh, every time I scored. I only scored in that one preseason game, which sucks, but, um, you know, that was how I did it. I, I put my hands up for to just the universal symbol of don't hands up, don't shoot. And, uh, you know, when I came back home, I was able to have that conversation with him to tell him, you know, you have to – I had to have the same conversation with him, Brent, to be quite frank with you, and I, and I also – you probably had this conversation as well. Mm-hmm. The same conversation my grandfather had with my aunts and uncles and my mother, the same conversation my mom and my grandpa had with me when I first started driving. It was that when you get pulled over, you already are a threat. So you have to, you have to abide by certain rules. You can't make certain movements. You look them in the eye. You don't take your eyes off them. All the little, keep your hands in visible sight. All the things that you shouldn't have to do, Right. And I had to have the conversation with a seven-year-old kid mm. and my nephew, who was eight at the time, because that's what happened. Yeah. And so and those are those are tough conversations to have. I mean, again, I'm going to have to have that. You know, my son just turned 12 yesterday, so I had to have that conversation again with him. But, again, we're having these conversations over and over and over again. I can't allow my son to go out and jog around the house, around the the, the neighborhood. Because I don't know if at 12 years old I see him as a, as a as a grown man, and that's a shame. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, hey, powerful stuff, man. Uh, love when uh, we can catch up with you. I appreciate all the words and the thoughts and, and the passion. And uh, let's get you on again before football season. We talk a little football, Gardner Minshew, and the rest. How about yeah. that? No problem. I'll see you guys later. All right, Maurice Jones, Drew, Drew, former right. Jags, great, uh, powerful uh, 20 minutes or so with him. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about it on the other side uh, when we get back. ESPN 690. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.